Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens, and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Roswell in the 21st century is a detailed re-examination of the Roswell UFO crash case. I have studied the evidence for more than 30 years, and I now put that evidence under a microscope in a cold case examination of the facts. These facts might not please everyone. They are based on my comprehensive investigation that took years to complete, but they do lead to the conclusion that whatever fell was not built on Earth. The best of Project Blue Book is based on the 22-year-long investigation conducted by the Air Force. But the book goes far beyond that, bringing in evidence that was uncovered long after Project Blue Book was ordered terminated. Using facts that were unavailable to the Air Force investigators, I was able to prove that the Air Force manipulated the data and drew unrealistic conclusions about the UFO sightings reported to them. My different perspective shows there was more to Project Blue Book than even the Air Force knew. Both books are available at Amazon.com. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404-474-0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 404- Four seven four zero zero eight six. Welcome everyone to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is more urban legends. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to explain by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. 
This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of urban legends. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. Our first show on urban legends was some time ago, so it may be worthwhile refreshing our memories with a definition. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary provides a concise meaning, quote, an often lurid story or anecdote that is based on hearsay and is widely circulated as true, unquote. Urban legends are also called urban myths. Why don't you start with some urban legends that are believed to be true? The Los Angeles Times, in an article from November the 14th of 2001, describes a, described a strange coincidence. Quote, the New Jersey lottery will pay out more than $1 million to thousands of lottery winners who bet on the flight number of the jetliner that crashed in New York, lottery officials said Tuesday. American Airlines flight 587 plunged into a quiet Queens neighborhood Monday morning, killing all 260 people aboard the Airbus A300. Hours later, not only did 587 turn out to be the winning number in the New York Jersey's Jersey Lottery's pick three game, but players wound up buying, buying a whopping 27,829 winning tickets. They each won $16 and the money won by other types of tickets that also contained the flight number, pushed the total payout to more than a million dollars. Virginia Haynes, executive director of the New Jersey Lottery, said numbers involved in disasters are often ready fodder for lottery players in search of a winner, unquote. Is that the only time something like that has happened, suggesting that lottery numbers can provide coincidences? Has this only happened once? Something similar happened a year later. The London Daily Telegraph newspaper from September the 13th, 2002, included the, the following in the article, New York Lottery Produces 9-11. Quote, the New York Lottery numbers drawn on the anniversary of the 7th, September 11th attacks, an event known in America as 9-11, were 9-1-1. The numbers were so popular in the run-up to the draw that they closed out withdrawn they they closed out withdrawn from circulation it is it is estimated that the winners the total number of which have yet to be determined will each receive only about three hundred dollars the city w was amazed by the coincidence david turner of battery park city near ground zero said it is very spooky i do not think i could have chosen to play those numbers it would have been disrespectful one man happily displayed his winning ticket but refused to give his name, explaining that he worked near the World Trade Center site and feared that people who lost relatives might be angry at him for making money from the tragedy. A spokesman for the lottery, Carolyn Hapeman, insisted that the combination had been picked in standard random fashion, using numbered balls circulating in the machine which dropped in the tubes after the three levers are pulled. It's just the way the numbers came up, she said, unquote. That's weird. So I guess that's why urban legends are often believed. Strange things can happen. But why don't you continue with a well-known urban legend? The abominable snowman or yeti, possibly a relative of Bigfoot that lives in the Himalayas, is a, is a well-known urban legend. The background is described by the Live Science website. Quote, Sherpas are a Nepalese ethnic group, not just an occupation of herb, like many people believe. According to CNN, the word translates to people from the East. They're best known for, as the seemingly superhuman climbers that help others ascend Mount, ascend Mount Everest. But they have a rich culture and history, including the legend of the Yeti. According to the BBC, there are more than a few stories about Yetis and what they are exactly. The generally accepted description of a, of a Yeti is an enormous shaggy ape man with huge feet and aggressive saber-like teeth. It's said to reach about six feet tall and produce footprints at around 13 inches long. 
One story says that a village of Sher Sherpas were being tormented by a group of yetis, so they decided to trick the yetis into getting drunk and fighting each other. The surviving yetis declared revenge and moved up higher into the mountains, periodically coming down to terrorize the Sherpas. Over the years, explorers have flocked to the Himalayas to try and find evidence of the beast. In 1921, a journalist named Harry Newman interviewed, local, uh, interviewed locals who told him about the existence of a metokangmi, which means man-bear, snowman, according to life science. Newman mistranslated the mito part to mean filthy, and he chose to use the word abominable instead. Thus, the abominable, abominable snowman was born, unquote. When was the last alleged sighting of one of these creatures? It might have been in 1986, but the following year that sighting turned out to be only a rock. The same year, mountaineer Reinhold Messner thought he saw what might have been an abominable snowman. The following is marketing material for, for his book, My Quest for the Yeti, Confronting the Himalayas' Deepest Mystery. Quote, in a terrifying moment during a solo climb in eastern Tibet, renowned mountaineer Reinhold Messner confronted a large un unidentifiable creature that moved upright with astonishing agility. Convinced that he had found living proof of a legend, Messner began a quest to the remote monasteries and isolated villages of Nepal, Bhutan, India and Tibet, seeking an answer to a mystery that has haunted the imagination for generations." Unquote. Spoiler alert, after 12 years of research and more than 20 trips to the Himalayas, Reinhold Messner concluded that the abominable snowman or yeti does not exist. I wonder what Reinhold Messner actually saw in 1986 that convinced him to spend so much time and effort in seeking an answer. But there must have been somebody that was convinced that the creature exists. Here are some more alleged sightings, again from the Lion Science website. Quote, in her book, Still Living, Yet, Yeti, Sasquatch, and the Neanderthal Enigma, 1983, Thames and Hudson, researcher Myra Shockley, Shackley sorry, offers the following description, reported by two hikers in 1942, who saw two black specks moving across the snow about a quarter mile below them. Despite this significant distance, they offered the following very de detailed description. That height was not much less than eight feet. The heads were described as squarish and the ears must lie close to the skull because there was no projection from the silhouette against the snow. The shoulders sloped sharply down to a powerful chest covered by reddish-brown hair, which formed a close-body close body fur mixed with long straight hairs hanging downward. Another person saw a creature about the size and build of a small man, the head covered with long hair, but the face and chest not very hairy at all. Reddish brown in colour and bipedal, it was busy grubbing up roots and occasionally emitted a loud, high-pitched cry, unquote. Oh, attempt to DNA test samples of bones, hair, etc., thought of being from the abominable snowman, have all had the results that the remains were from bears, and in one case, a dog. Moving on to the next urban legend, maybe it's time for some amusement. This story from the Live About website certainly had me laughing. Quote, a Charlotte, North Carolina man, having purchased a case of rare, very expensive cigars, went to an insurance company to have them insured against fire. Within a month, having smoked his entire stockpile of fabulous cigars, having yet to make a single premium payment on the policy, the man filed a claim against the insurance company. In his claim, the man stated that he had lost the cigars in a series of small fires. The insurance company refused to pay, citing the obvious reason that the man had consumed the cigars in a normal fashion. The man sued and won. In delivering his ruling, the judge stated that since the man held a policy from the company in which it had warranted that the cigars were insurable and also guaranteed that the cigars would be insured against fire without defining what it considered to be an unacceptable fire, it was obligated to compensate the insured for his loss. Rather than endure a lengthy and costly appeal process, the insurance company grudgingly accepted the judge's ruling and paid the man $15,000 for the rare cigars he lost in the fires. After the man cashed his cheque, however, the insurance company had him arrested on 24 counts of arson, with his own insurance claim and testimony from his, the previous case being used as evidence against him. The man was convicted of intentionally burning the rare cigars 
and sentenced to 24 consecutive one-year term, one terms. Don't mess with your insurance company, unquote. Besides sounding like fake news, the lack of detail about who it was, when it was, and so on makes me think it's a made-up story. Also, getting arrested for arson for smoking cigars seems a little bit of a reach. But we'll have to continue after the short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third-generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Jen E as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past lives that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet's day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing more urban legends. And we just discussed the urban legend of the man who smoked his cigars. But let's move on to another legend. The following tall tale is associated with, at the time, a popular television show. I don't think you could make it up. The Slate website provides the story. Quote, it was 1976. Crew members from the TV show The Six Million Dollar Man were preparing to shoot on location at the Pike Amusement Park in Long Beach, California. The plan was to capture Steve Austin, the titular pricey, pricey fellow riding in one of the cars along the track of a spooky ride called The Laugh in the Dark. The ride featured a tunnel in which ghouls, demons and skeletons would pop up and scare you as your, care, as your car 
jolted from side to side in the dark. While sprucing up the set, a $6 million uh, employee spotted a mannequin hanging from a noose in a corner. He reached for the mannequin's arm and the arm broke off in his hand. Looking at the dismembered limb, the worker was astonished to see what looked like a bone beneath layers of desiccated skin. This was no mannequin. This was a man. The hanging corpse in question was once Elmer McCurdy, an outlaw who died in a gunfight with police 65 years before being found in the funhouse. In 1911, the mischief-making vagabond robbed a train near Okeesa, Oklahoma, then took his spoils, $46 and two jugs of whiskey, north, where he holed up in a, in a barnyard on the Kansas border. Police pursued him and ended up killing him in a shootout among the hay, unquote. I wonder why the remains of Elmer McCurdy wouldn't have been a skeleton by then. Would his clothes last 65 years? The story is pretty hard to believe. There may be an explanation why Elmer's body would have been in reasonably good condition. The Slate article continues, quote, McCurdy's body was taken to, and this was at the, before I get into the quote, this was at the time in 1911, quote, McCurdy's body was taken to a funeral home in Poor Husker, but no one claimed it. Seeing a money-making opportunity, the undertaker embalmed him and allowed visitors to view the preserved corpse if they placed a nickel in his mouth. Five years into this lucrative scheme, a carnival man turned up at the funeral home claiming to be a long-lost relative of McCurdy and requested to take the body so it could be laid to rest properly. He was, of course, lying through his teeth. Within weeks, the McCurdy corpse was a star attraction of a travelling carnival. For 60 years, McCurdy's mummy made the rounds of carnivals, wax museums and haunted houses until it turned up inexplicably at the Pike in Long Beach. By this time, the legend of outlaw McCurdy was long forgotten and the body was assumed to be a fake. After the $6 million discovery, police identified McCurdy and sent the body to Summit View Cemetery in Guthrie, Oklahoma for long delayed interment, unquote. On McCurdy's gravestone are the words, shot by Sheriff's posse in Osage Hills on October 7th, 1911, returned to Guthrie, Oklahoma from Los Angeles County, California for burial, April the 22nd, 1977. The next urban legend is from Japan. Yes, the Japanese scene have a lot of legends, including Okiku, a doll that allegedly grows human hair. The Oddity Central website tells the tale, quote, Okiku, otherwise known as the haunted doll of Hokido, is a creepy old Japanese doll residing at a temple in Iwamizawa, temple that allegedly grows human hair. Obviously it's, also to, obviously, it's also said to be haunted by the spirit of a little girl. There are various legends regarding Okiku, but the most popular one speaks of a traditional Japanese doll bought by Aikichi Suzuki, a 17-year-old boy from Hokido, who bought it for his little sister in 1918. It is said that the three-year-old girl called Kaikuko loved the doll very much, took it everywhere with her and slept with it every night. But as often the case in these creepy legends, young Kaikuko died one evening, one day, sorry, after catching a cold. And that's when things started getting strange. The girl's family kept the doll she loved so much, placed it in a small shrine in her memory. They named it Okiku after their lost daughter and started praying to it. At one point, they noticed something very unusual. The doll, which had an Okapa hairstyle, cropped at around jawline length and with a small fringe over the forehead, now had noticeably longer hair. They took this as a sign that the door was haunted by Kaikuko's spirit. In 1938, Kaikuko's family decided to move from Hokkaido, only instead to take, only instead of taking their daughter's doll with them, they agreed that it would be best for it to remain on the island. So they entrusted it to the monks at the Manamdi Temple, and shared with them its, its creepy secret. Okiko had been residing at the temple ever since and people often come to see its legendary human hair for themselves, but they are not allowed to photograph it, unquote. And sounds like a hair-raising story. Get it? Mm. <laughs> the doll would need a haircut every so often. 
Apparently, the monks took care of that. Here's more from the Oddity Central article. Quote, Nowadays, Okiku has long hair flowing down all the way down to its knees. It would probably be a lot longer, but the monks make sure to trim it from time to time. That's a dangerous thing to do to a haunted doll, but great reports that one of the monks started doing it after having a dream of Okiku asking him to do it. Nobody has been able to explain why the doll's hair keeps growing. Some sources also claim that a scientific examination of the doll revealed that its hair is indeed of a human child, although I've yet to find any evidence of that. Even more ludicrous is the claim that if you get close enough to Okiku and look into its half-over mouth, you can see its growing teeth. Okiku's story has inspired numerous novels, films and traditional kabuki plays, some of which have added even creepier elements like the doll giggling, wailing or moving around. So if you're ever on Japan's Okido Island and want to, to get stared at by a haunted doll with beady black eyes, head over to the Manajai Temple to meet Okiku, the famous haunted doll of Hokkaido, unquote. I think that story stretches credibility a little. But let's look at some urban legends from Australia, starting with the creepy Wakehurst Parkway in Sydney. The story is on the Australian Nine News website. Quote, a busy road north of Sydney is not the type of place you would usually associate with the supernatural. But the Wakehurst Parkway has for years been linked with reported sightings of a mysterious female figure who claims the apparition has even appeared in the backseat of people's cars before disappearing. The ghost known as Kelly has reputedly terrified motorists over the past five decades. Rumours that circulated among locals on Sydney's northern beaches had suggested it might be linked to a woman killed in a car accident. But now a new theory has emerged from accounts gathered. Those who have claimed to have seen Kelly said that she appears on or beside the 16-kilometre-long road late at night and then disappears when motorists swerve to avoid her or look back to check, only to see nothing. She has been described as looking like a nun or somebody wearing a wedding dress, Filmmaker Bianca Biasi told Nine News Comd Australia. Biasi, 39, has become an expert on the era's ghostly goings on. Not only did she grow up in the northern beaches, she interviewed around 100 people who claimed to have seen Kelly. Biasi now believes she is close to revealing the secret of the so called ghostly presence with the help of another haunted spot nearby, Manley's Quarantine Station. Unquote. 16 kilometres is almost exactly 10 miles. What is Manley's quarantine station? The Nine News article explained with more quotes from filmmaker Bianca Biazzi. Quote, the quarantine stations where thousands of travellers arriving in Sydney by ship were sent between the 1830s and 1984 to prevent them from spreading disease. Many died in the site's hospital. What we've actually realised, because we do a lot of work at the quarantine station, is that I actually saw a photo recently of what the nurses used to wear there. The old nurse's uniform, it was identical to descriptions, she said. It's not actually a nun or a wedding dress. This is a nurse's outfit. It could be that she lived locally and worked at the quarantine station. There's definitely a link, unquote. The article goes on to mention that Bianca Biazzi is looking at old records to identify who Kelly might be, as well as recounting other paranormal experiences in the area. The second urban legend from Australia is the Lithgow Panther. It seems a controversial subject, as many claim that only feral cats related to domestic cats are being cited. The Australian ABC News website was one of many with a story. <coughs> Excuse me. Quote, government reports strangely amended over 500 sightings over 20 years, flawed scientific testing. There's a reason the Lifco Panther is part of folklore. The crunch of dry leaves, a heavy snap of a stick, a feeling of suddenly being watched as the bush goes quiet are some of those sensations. More than 560 people are reported in the Hawkesbury, Blue Mountains and Lifco area since 1998. Two accounts have been regaled since 2017. In fact, claims of big cat encounters in New South Wales have been made for over 100 years and reported on for almost as many. The reports tell of bushwalkers, landowners and tourists, each with their own brush with a low-slung, long-tailed, 
fox face, large black cat. Curious Central West questioner and Baffer's local Tanya Martin is intrigued. I've never seen a large black cat, my, but my friend Barry Lindsay has. It has scared the life out of him, she said. It made me wonder about the credence of the Lithgow panther. Is it possible that is it possible main cats, mountain lions or panthers could survive here? I think we'll have to continue this quote after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Axone Broadcast Network, www.axzbn.net. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. And get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide audience if you have seen a ufo had a close encounter seen a ghost bigfoot lake monster or a story that you would like to share or have investigated contact me rob mcconnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll free 1-800-610-7035 extension 143 and on skype xzone radio tv for more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, always remember Exxon Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hydes can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com.
Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we're discussing the Lithgow Panther in Australia. And Dad, you were quoting from the Australian ABC News. Can you please continue? Yes, I've seen a quote, a lot of people's comments. Mr. Lindsay, also of Bathurst, is resolute. It was definitely around the size of what I would say is a panther. It was black, jet black, had piercing eyes that had the sort of quickness as well. Mr. Stewart said of the, his encounter, quickness like a cheetah, I guess, and it just ran straight across the highway coming into Lifco, unquote. The Maine cat is the largest breed of domesticated cat and is the official cat of the state of Maine. I don't think panthers are native to Australia. Is there any idea of where a panther might have come from? The ABC News article continues with various theories starting from the end of World War II. Quote, the story is always about U.S. servicemen, but if you look at government records, the concern is actually Australian servicemen. They are coming back from North Africa, Asia, with all kinds of crazy animals. One ship had 1,650 exotic animals on board, including bear cubs. Hazelbrook resident and author of Australian Big Cats, Mike Williams, believes the source is a modern one. The best bet would be escaped exotics, escaped leopards and breeding leopards to explain some of the multiple sightings. That's the theory Grossvale resident Chris Coffey supports. You can buy them on the black market. You go out and buy a little cub and it grows to the point where it will take you out. How can you keep it? Miss Coffey said. They have been released. I know I have a significant I have a signed affidavit from a JP stating he interviewed a person who owned a big cat. And he was told to have them put down. He said he couldn't do it, so he just left the doors open. And there's locally, and that is locally here in the Hawkesbury. And it's this is, and it's the same time we started to get the problems. Unquote. The JP is a justice of the peace, which in Australia is an, is an individual authorised to witness and sign statutory declarations and affidavits, among other duties. With that, it's time for the first question. Why would anyone want to pick a lottery number based on disasters? Basically trying to solve a puzzle in a way, so it's their type of puzzle. In November 2001, why would 5, 8 and 7 turn out to be the winning numbers in the New Jersey Lottery's Pick 3 game after American Airlines Flight 587 had crashed in New York? That was just a coincidence. In September of 2002, why were the New York, New York lottery numbers drawn on the anniversary of the September 11 attacks, 9, 1, and 1? That was just another coincidence. Why would there be a reward for exploiting numbers associated with tragic events? Basically, people try to turn any negative event into something else. So to some people, it is a way to gain money and kind of exploit it. Would there be negative karma associated with financial gain arising from tragedies? It really depends on the individual person. So, depending on their attitude? Correct. Changing subject to the abominable snowman or yeti, does the description of an enormous shaggy ape man with huge feet, aggressive saber-like teeth, about six feet tall, producing large footprints around 13 inches long, fit in with Nepalese beliefs? Yes. Is it, a re is it a reasonable assumption the abominable snowman could be related to Bigfoot? Yes, that's possible. Do many Nepalese believe in the existence of the abominable snowman? Yes. Is there any truth in a story that a village of Sherpas were being tormented by a group of abominable snowmen with the villagers tricking the abominable snowmen into getting drunk and fighting each other. That's an urban legend of sorts, you could say. So there's this belief that it happened, yes. But there were also other people drinking as well. So the story has got more and more wild, you could say. So the Sherpas and the abominable snowmen were together at one point? Yes. So the abominable snowmen didn't declare revenge or move higher up into the mountains or come down to terrorize the Sherpas? No, that's not true. Is there any reason why the abominable snowmen have, have stopped associating with the Sherpas and becoming hidden? They have other things to do, and also humans have gotten more cruel and unaccepting, 
especially of a lot of creatures that look very different. So there was a time where humans did not have this egotistical nature they do now, where they think they're better. Since the 1920s, since the Western countries learned about the legend, why have explorers had little success in finding the abominable snowman? They're good at hiding. In 1986 in eastern Tibet, what was the large unidentifiable creature that moved upright with astonishing agility that mountaineer Reinhold Messner thought he saw? You could call it an abdominal snowman, so you could call it one of those creatures. But again, many of these creatures in different parts of the world are related and look very similar. So Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Bonnell snowman, they're all pretty much the same. Correct. Since 1986, why did Reinhold Messner find no evidence of the abominable snowman having searched the remote monasteries and isolated villages of Nepal, Bhutan, India, and Tibet? They knew that he was looking for them, so they wanted to stay hidden. In 1942, what did the two hikers see when describing two black specks moving across the snow about a quarter of a mile below them? They actually just saw normal animals, so that wasn't anything of this thought of creature. Those are normal animals. Was a creature reddish-brown and bipedal while being busy grubbing up roots and occasionally emitting low, loud, high-pitched cries? No, that's not true. Was a creature seen about the size and build of a small man, the head covered with long hair, but the face and chest not very hairy at all? In this situation, again, that's not true. Why have attempts to DNA test samples of bones, hair, etc., thought to have been from abominable snowman, had the results that the remains were from bears and, in one case, a dog? Again, humans think that they are the smartest creatures out there, while other creatures have a lot more abilities, you could call them. So they have avoided leaving remains? Not only that, but they can affect the technology. What else could you say about the abominable snowmen? Basically that they just want to be left alone. So they have almost this fear of humans and interactions, and they would rather be left alone. Changing subject to the Charlotte, North Carolina man who purchased a case of rare, very expensive cigars. Why would anyone believe this story? People like to believe very detailed stories. So it's something that at the end of the day, humans will believe in almost anything. Has the story stuck around because it fits stereotypes and is a, and as a result is amusing, along with people wanting it to be true? Yes, and sometimes it's hard for such good stories to actually not be true, where the most wild stories sometimes seem to be the most realistic ones. Was there an original story about some cigars that somehow got inflated? Yes, there was. Can you say anything about that story? Basically, again, it's like a game of telephone where one person tells the story to another person who tells the story to another person. So the story becomes much bigger, details are added, details are taken away as it moves from one person to the next. Changing subject to the TV show The Six Million Dollar Man, was there a mannequin hanging from a noose somewhere along the track of the laugh-in-the-dark spooky ride? Yes. When sprucing up the set, did one of the crew reach for the mannequin's arm with the arm breaking off in his hand? Yes. Was the person astonished to see what it what looked like bone beneath layers of desiccated skin? That's what the person thought they saw, yes. Was the mannequin actually a human corpse? No, it was just a mannequin. So the part about Elmer McCurdy being shot by police and the corpse being at the funeral home being able to be viewed on paying a nickel was not true. There were two separate stories put together. So there was the story of the hanging mannequin, but there was also the real story of the person that passed away. But they were not the same story. They just got intertwined. So after the crew member thought it was a corpse, it was investigated and shown to be a mannequin. Correct, yes. Why does Elmer McCurdy have a gravestone, gravestone stating he was shot by Sheriff's Posse on October the 7th, 1911, and returned from California for burial on April the 22nd, 1977? Basically, those events happened. So again, the mannequin and the story of the real person are just two different stories. So the body of Elmer McCurdy was taken to the funeral home, was involved and was available, available to be viewed 
if a nickel was put in the mouth. Yes, that's correct. But again, it is not just correct that it was a mannequin hanging. So after a number of years, did a person claim the body from the funeral home and put it on display? Yes. So nature took its course and remains just just decayed, is that correct? Yes. Then the remains were buried? They were not disposed of anywhere in a proper way. So the problem is that for this story as a whole, there's just no regard or empathy for the human life. Is there anything else to say about the story of the Six Million Dollar Man TV show set another story and about Elmer McCurdy and his remains? Basically, again, you can say that different stories get intertwined together. So sometimes details are actually brought in from other stories. So again, looking into the specific details and specific parts of the story, not just the story as a whole. But we'll have to continue after the short break, and you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. to me over and over again simultv.com simultv.com what's simultv.com that's what i asked them they had it written on the side of their ufo how do you spell that ufo no i mean simultv.com 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 right simultv.com interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com ufo last night oh yeah yeah Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. In the mid-1990s, I was approached by a young woman who believed she'd been abducted by alien creatures. In conversations, I began a journey that took me not into the world of interstellar travel, but back through time into past lives. Under hypnotic regression administered by a professional rather than describing abduction, Jenny, as she is called, begins to tell a tale of horror in 19th century London. Her unbelievable past life seems to connect with Jack the Ripper and other monsters of the past. Throughout the session, Jenny provides a rich detail of her past life that links some of the most horrific killers in history to one another. Using the resources of a university library in the pre-internet day, I was able to verify some of Jenny's claims. She has knowledge that wasn't readily available to a suburban housewife. Does this prove the reality of her tales? Conversations attempts to answer that and other provocative questions. Conversations is available at Amazon.com. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. Is formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME.
Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through the psychic insight and questions. Dad, can you please continue? Yes, we got the first question regarding the Japanese legend of the Okiku Do. In 1918, did Aikichi Suzuki buy a doll for his three-year-old sister, Kaikuko? Yes. Did Kaikuko love the doll very much, taking it everywhere with her, but unfortunately she died after catching a cold? Correct, yes. Did Kaikuku's family keep the doll place keep the doll placing it in a small shrine shrine, naming it Okiko after their lost daughter Kaikuko and started to pray to it? Yes. Did the family notice that the doll began to have noticeably long long hair? That's what they thought was happening, yes. On moving away from Hokkaido, did the family entrust the doll to the monks at Mananji Temple, sharing with them what they thought was it, was its creepy secret. Yes. Did the doll continue to appear to grow hair with the monks trimming it from time to time? Yes. Was the hair actually growing? Not exactly, no. It wasn't growing straight from the doll, but there were people who were interfering with the doll. So the hair was getting longer, but it wasn't by the doll itself. So some person or persons other than the monks were making the hair longer? Yes. Did one of the monks have a dream in which uh, Kaikuko asked him to trim the hair? Yes. What was the source of the hair? Was it human hair? Yes. Is the doll haunted in any way by the ghost or spirit of Kaikuko who died age three? No. Is somebody making the hair appear to be growing to this day? No, they are not. Do the monks at Mananji Temple or others know that the basis of the story was fate? No, they do not. But it would have been very difficult to explain the whole series of events since it kept the little girl alive. So that's where the person was making the doll seem more lifelike. By extending the hair was to make it appear that the little girl was okay and she was visiting her family. And is the little girl okay? Yes. And does she still visit her family who have not passed away? Her extended family, yes. What else can you say about the story of the Okiku doll? The people believe in different legends to even make themselves feel better in the grieving process. And the intentions in the story were nothing but good, since the spirit of the little girl was just trying to be kept alive. Changing subject to the Wakers Parkway in Sydney, Australia, have there for years been reports of sightings of a mysterious female figure? Yes. Does the apparition appear on or besides the 16-kilometre or 10-mile long road late at night to disappear when motorists swerve to avoid her or look back? Yes. Has the apparition appeared in the backseat of people's cars before disappearing? Yes. Why is the apparition known as Kelly? Basically just a nickname. Does the apparition look like a nun or female wearing a wedding dress? That could be sad, yes. Is the apparition associated with the allegedly haunted Manley's Quarantine Station located in the same area? That conclusion can be drawn, yes. Between the 1830s and 1984, did many people die in Manley's Quarantine Station where thousands of travellers who had arrived with ship were sent to prevent them spreading disease? Yes, that is correct. Is the apparition actually of a nurse in uniform who may have worked at Manley's quarantine station? That's what some people believe, yes, but it's not 100% true. Is the apparition linked to a fatal auto accident? No. What can you say about the apparition and why it appears? Basically, there are multiples. There is not just one apparition that appears, but multiple. So many different people see a different one. But again, it's kind of like an imprint of energy instead of an actual true haunting. So does Manley's quarantine station have anything to do with the number of imprints? Yes and no. So the number of deaths can heighten the energy and increase the imprints. But again, imprints are all pretty random, where they can happen where more negative events took place, or they can happen randomly. Why has the Wakers Parkway become so active? Basically just luck. 
What should be done to prevent people driving along Wakers Parkway from being terrified by the sight of an imprint? Basically, just being aware that imprints do exist, but also being aware of their surroundings. So sometimes it's good to show different drivers that they need to pay attention and need to be aware of what's going on. What else can you say about the story of Wakers Parkway? Basically, that these imprints do pop up here and there and may frighten people. But instead, being aware, and then the imprint will pass quite quickly. Changing subject to the Lifco Panther, have there been over 500 sightings over 20 years? Yes. Have more than 560 people reported sightings in the Hawkesbury, Blue Mountains, and Lifco area since 1998? Yes. Have claims of big cat encounters in New South Wales been made for over 100 years? That's correct, yes. Do the sightings typically include descriptions of a low-slung, long-tailed, box-faced, large black cat? Yes. Is the cat black in colour with piercing eyes and moves very quickly? Yes. Could such uh, an animal as described or, uh, or main cats or mountain lions survive in the area of the sightings? Yes, they could survive, survive there. Did Australian servicemen returning from World War II bring back with them large numbers of exotic animals? Yes, they brought back many, many animals. After World War II, did exotic animals escape and breed in the wild? Yes, they did. Since then, have exotic, exotic pets escaped or have been released into the wild? A hundred percent, yes. Is there any chance that the Lifco panther can be a species native to Australia? It could be one that is currently native, but didn't originate in Australia, yes. That might be called feral, was it, from a long time ago? Yes. Why are the sightings only reported for the Hawkesbury, Blue Mountains and Lifco area? Why not in other places with good habitat? Good habitat is very difficult to define if you don't actually know the species. So good habitat to one animal may be very bad for another animal. So the current area they reside in is actually considered great habitat for them. Why are there so many sightings? Are there many large cats roaming around? Yes, there are. What else can you say about Olivco panther? Then they just want to be left alone. So there are many species of animals not discovered yet by humans. But some of them just want to live their lives and not be captured by humans. That was the last answer. Are living abominable snowmen and living Lifco panthers too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, I didn't know we were going to get into cryptids uh, that are believed to be alive or not. And we're going to be a big subject of today's show. Well, I think the most entertaining uh, urban legend from the show for me was actually the guy who smoked his cigars, supposedly. But it's actually kind of funny since a lot of warnings on different products are because people did dumb things and actually won money from them. Yeah, this is true. Look at the stickers on a chainsaw. Uh, but anyway, um, the $6 million man TV show, that urban legend and the... Uh, thought of body of Elmer McCurdy. I noticed this afternoon that on the Wikipedia page for Elmer McCurdy, that uh, the Wikipedia article assumes that the whole story is true, that it was actually Elmer's body in the, uh, in the uh, laugh, in the ride, I guess, the ghost ride. I think what doesn't make sense to me from that story is that even if he was um, completely went through the whole embalming process, that his body would still be in one piece since there is decomposition of bodies, so there wouldn't really be anything left. Yeah, actually, um, it's kind of interesting. I looked at uh, Elmer McCurdy's life, and uh, it was very, very sad. Um, The guy really didn't have a chance. And the point from the psychic insight that he wasn't dealt with any respect. I mean, all his gravestone says is uh, is, is a story about uh, dying in 1911 and being interned in in what was it 1977. And there's little, there's very little to say about his life. Apparently, he before he was shot, he uh, held up the wrong train, and that was the one with hardly any money on it. I think to. Uh... 
go into too about the poor large cats and exotic animals that are released in the wild is that it doesn't only happen in Australia, but it also happens all over the world where people will get animals from these exotic pet shows and they won't know how to take care of them. They get too big. They destroy their property and then they just put them into the wild and they may or may not survive in the wild. Yeah. Before this week, again, it was uh, it was a bit of a shock. There was such a thing as a panther in Australia. Um, when I first looked at that story, I thought, "Oh, come on! It must be uh, somebody's pulling pulling my leg here." And um, I wouldn't have thought that uh, people would have uh, adopted or would have um, brought into the country a lot of panthers. That doesn't seem like an obvious exotic animal to have. Maybe uh, some kind of python or some monkey or something. Around, or remember an orangutan escaped and ended up in the Everglades, but uh, um, not really a panther. That's, that doesn't seem to bring true. Well, I will mention our Facebook page at Too Good to Be True, with the first two spelled T W O, or our Instagram page at T W O G T B T. We'd love to hear from the listeners, and if you have any suggestions for upcoming shows, please contact us on there. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to next week's show. Mm-hmm.